The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. <laughs> And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late for some of you, especially out in the uh, East Coast, but man, dude, we have a crazy show lined up tonight. And Genevieve is doing some redecorating uh, right next to me. <laughs> I placed my laptop on the table. <laughs> How are you doing, Genevieve? I'm doing all right. Thank you. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. It looks, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a bit crazy. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a heater, man. This, this one, this one is one of, is going to go down as, as a classic, just like the first time our guest was on, believe it or not. Um, Greg Ford, who is our guest, uh, he, has one of the highest listening uh, numbers from our posted show uh and uh and uh it, it from all the shows we've had so far he's still right up there with uh I so think, no pressure this no time. pressure greg. <laughs> no pressure greg uh we're gonna bring him in into the conversation in just a minute he's he's on the line already ready to go but i want to send a quick shout out to everybody that's uh tuning into the chat room um we'll be having greg on the line so if you have questions comments concerns post them in the chat i know genevieve you you're better at keeping an eye on that thing than i well, am I think today is one of those days where our listeners need to live up to their expectations yeah. because we were touting their their talent at they, interacting and questioning. One of the things Honestly, that I'm I'm really proud of is that yeah they the 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 the, the people that listen to this show are not shy about their opinions so you know definitely <laughs> uh, as long as everybody's respectful I'm all up for it <laughs> so uh, let me see without further ado. Let me bring Greg. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, Frank. How are I you, can. Greg? Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. That was, that was quite a that was quite a disclaimer that you have at the beginning of your show. So uh, I'll try not to say anything controversial. <laughs> no, by all means, we uh, we encourage it. But you know, sometimes sometimes you gotta you gotta. Throw that in there uh, just to uh, keep keep everything on the level, as they say. I think it was almost for irony's sake. <laughs> it, it is it is a bit tongue in cheek because we do cover a lot of random, you know, not random Some topics. Some of the things we say may be controversial. Maybe. It should it should most just of say, the time. <laughs> it could possibly be borderline offensive, but um, but yeah, no, it, it's all you know, it's all in the name of, of fun and in education and in, in information's sake. Uh, but Greg, thank you so much for joining us. As I was saying, and, and really no pressure, but yeah, it, you know, the the last time you were here uh, and we had the pleasure of speaking, you know, that show has 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 uh, uh, gathered a lot of a lot of uh, listens, and I'm really happy about that because I believe that that was a great show we had, and and the information you put forth was definitely some very very serious uh you know uh stuff that i think most at the very least i hope it made people really question what is going on and tonight as we were talking before the show uh it looks like it's going to be 
pretty much uh, the same <laughs> the same thing this time around. Uh, but tell you what, it's been a while since we talked, so why don't you bring us up to up to date with what's going on with you? I know last time we spoke, there was a court case, and and when we were talking before the show, you were telling me some really really crazy stuff about nine eleven. Uh, would you would you care to elaborate a, a bit on that for us? Okay, Frank. Sure. Uh, first, first, I have a question though. Yes. Okay, and that, and that is, I received about five uh, almost panicky phone calls today concerning the CIA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, has, does anybody know why there's police, uh, why the CIA is locked down and there's police tape around the buildings and the entrance of the buildings? No. I, does anybody I... know that? No. Right. It's been locked down for two days. Really? The CIA has been closed down. And and police tape, like a crime scene, is around all the entrances. What? Yes. Uh, go YouTube. Just, just type in CIA lockdown, uh-huh. okay, and you will see it. All okay. Right? Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to tell anybody. You know? Really? That is bizarre. Yeah. Do you CIA think- headquarters in Langley reportedly on lockdown. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't apparently well, explained why. I mean, I don't know. No, what what is the insight? Sort of well, the hint was ISIS. There's something about ISIS, mm-hmm. all right? So now, uh, okay. So, news. I'd like to know, mm-hmm. okay? Because I've had actually several other uh, folks with their own talk shows call and say, "Hey, you know, what can you tell us?" And I can't tell them anything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. Well, that anyway, is bizarre. Sure. Um, now, Frank, I was you, know, you and I were speaking earlier about about nine eleven. Yeah. And I, I think your your listeners can you know if they remember that that I was in a real interesting situation being an intelligence operative for you know most of my adult life, mm-hmm. and I was in Arizona in July of two thousand. Okay. And and I had a, a very interesting briefing. We had to, you know, I was actually going to class when you know going, to, you know, you, when you're in the intelligence operative, you're always training. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go off, you do you do missions, you come back, you train, and so forth. And, and not not to stray. Arizona. Sorry, Greg. Not not to stray so much from the point, but I'm just curious. Can you tell us a little bit about what what the training entails? Is it physical training? Is it more, you know, information data training? What kind of training does the you know the guys that do what you did uh, undergo? Okay, uh, for, um, my training. I was what's called an, a counterintelligence operative. Mm-hmm. We're we're designed to. Um, go out, we're trained to go out, and it takes years of, of training to do this. Go out into an assignment, and I've been, uh, I've been on an assignment all over the world. I mean, Far East, Europe, Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. uh, South America, you, know, you name it. Yeah. There. And, and what we do is, uh, for training, is you have to learn how there's a certain psychology of intelligence work. And you have to, first of all, learn how to recruit people which is a real science, uh, you know, how to target certain re- people that are available for recruitment. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to recruit them and you have to be careful the whole time that you're not being recruited. Mm. Okay. That's all, that's all it's a real viable danger 
when you're in the intelligence business that you are the subject of a recruitment. So, uh, and that takes years to figure that out, to get to know all the intricacies of psychology and presentations of the human condition that would make somebody put their own life on their family's life in danger to help you. All right. Mm-hmm. So, and there's lots of motivations that are behind that. So, so, and then how to do surveillance, how to, how to, how to chase somebody around in a car and do, do proper surveillance. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these, all these things come into intelligence work. So, wow. Okay. And this, and this particular bit, this particular bit of intelligence was, was actually being carried out in a, in a real interesting place in Arizona. And it, it, it is actually the largest intelligence training area in the world. Okay. For mm-hmm. agents. That's that's what I was doing mm-hmm. when the, uh, we were almost to the end of our training, and the leader of the class came in. Uh, he, he was kind of like he was kind of like um, uh, like any I- anybody from like a James Bond movie, like that remembers what was it, Q? You know, the, the fellow who put up the uh, all the in, in, yeah, he was the tech guy. Okay, right, exactly. Well, well, he was like that. Okay, mm-hmm. and and he came in and he said, "Look, everybody, shut up, sit down, and I, we have something very important that we need you to, to understand. Mm-hmm. And because you're going to, because you're going to be doing this very shortly." And so he had never spoken to us in that tone of voice. I mean, we're all adults, you mm-hmm. know, and running around the world doing these things. So, so anyway, uh, he introduced Colonel Anthony Schaefer. Okay. Uh, that name might ring a bell to, to some of your listeners. He's now he's a, a spokesman on Fox News. Oh boy! So Anthony Anthony Schaefer and his tra- team came in. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so- no, no, sorry, no. Uh, we no. I was just uh, 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 exclaiming, a, <laughs> exclaiming in agreement. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So Anthony Schaefer came in with his team, mm-hmm. and this is the shock I just got. I just received two days ago about that team. All right, uh, but they came in and they said very clearly, understand this, okay, as intelligence operatives, here's what's going to happen in the next 18 months. We need you to go home. We need you to make wills out, okay, to cover your families in case something happens to you. You could be killed within the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what is happening. And he, he proceeded to say, yes, there were two teams of intelligence operatives from al-Qaeda, terrorist operatives from al-Qaeda, and they were in the country. They were in the country, and several of, uh, several of those members had done training very close to where we were at that moment, sitting at that moment, mm-hmm. aviation training. And they were being trained to uh, fly uh, uh, jet airplanes, as far as they could tell, jet airplanes, for hijacking. Now, you know, as everybody remembers, you know, hijacking kind of went out like with Cuba, you know, back in the you know, 60s. Right, you right. Know, and, and Abu Nidal, you know, I mean, with the Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLO, you know, it kind of went out with them. And so what's this, what's this hijacking stuff? And, he, and, and they were very serious. Colonel Schaefer, who I think should be the next presidential candidate, okay, for the Bull Moose Party, by the way, um, he's, he said, he said, look, he said, it's very serious. They are going to do this. This is going to happen. And they are going to hijack those planes, and they're going to fly those planes 
into the World Trade Center in New York, and they are going to hit select, and this is the exact word he used, select targets in the Washington, D.C. area. And he mm. said, I want everybody here, you know, to, you know, if you don't have any questions, and we did, but to go home and, and get your lives together, all right? Okay. And so after that, uh, a few hands went up, and somebody said, well, look, he said, and they said, and rightfully so, they said, look, we, we don't operate on U.S. soil. We're intelligence operatives. We don't operate against our own people. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's absolutely correct. But he said, yes, the FBI has been fully briefed on uh, this this attack. That's coming. It is coming. And and somebody says, well, the CIA should know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, the CIA has been briefed completely. So they knew so, they knew that the attacks were going to happen. This kind of uh, confirms what you know a lot of people have said in the past that um, you know the, the the Pentagon somehow had knowledge that there were going to be attacks, and that's why you know no rat you know diverted their planes far away from from the East Coast and all that. Um, um, can I just I don't know if I caught that properly just um, because of the phone line, but. Um, were you or at least um the people you're working with acquainted with these persons or did they just hear about them i'm sorry which people um the the people actually flying the planes you know <laughs> into the targets as it were um did did people actually know them personally in any way or did they just hear about okay. it you know intercepting the way we the way we understood it okay mm-hmm. I, I, I believe this is uh, this is uh, i'm sorry who am i speaking to um, oh this is genevieve, genevieve by the way my co-host yeah genevieve okay genevieve oh, i'm sorry genevieve mm-hmm. now um the way i understood it okay the way we it was presented to us was that we hadn't penetrated the group mm-hmm. okay which is the ultimate intelligence directive, but but we we were monitoring them and following all their movements, mm-hmm. and the way we understood it from uh, intelligence intercepts was that yes, they were already in the country. Yeah. There were, there were two groups, two groups of ten, you know, ten each, mm-hmm. and they had had their visas stamped. In Saudi Arabia, okay, and 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 the the irony was was that the CIA field station had stamped their visas mm-hmm. in Jeddah. Well, the fact that the visas were stamped abroad implies a lot of foreplanning, because most people just get it stamped once they enter the country, right? Right. Well, well, the issue the issue was, and we didn't understand this at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say, you know, we were in the same position that you are receiving the information now that you that you have. Yeah. Okay. We didn't really know. We were, you know, this this could have been just a a pie in the sky plot that blow over and we'd never hear about it again. Yeah. We didn't know, but but the thing was is that they had actually had, and some eyebrow. I heard some eyebrows in your listener base go up. Uh, because um, uh, that is what happened was they had their visas stamped, passport stamped, at the CIA field station, Jeddah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know about your listeners out there, but 
but I've never had my visa stamped at a CIA station. No, okay. right. No, that, well, that's what I meant. You normally have it stamped at the border only upon right. entering the destination country. Customs, right. mm-hmm. Customs of, of, of the receiving country, right? Yeah. So, so needless to say, um, uh, we we all went home, okay, and pretty much forgot about it, okay, mm-hmm. for the most part, and got our wills in order and all that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, and then of course. Everybody knows what happened. What happened fourteen months later? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and of course, I I was I was on my way into my intelligence unit to open up my intelligence unit after it was a it was on a it was on a Tuesday, you know, nine eleven hit on a Tuesday. And so <laughs> Correct. I, yes. I went to open yeah. my, right. And I and on the way down, I I noticed uh, down to my unit, I noticed that uh, um, that there was several, uh, like, emergency vehicles all over the roads. And then I, I received a call uh, from, from a good friend who said, get into the unit, open the unit immediately, turn on the TV, you're not going to believe this. And and I got in, and there it was. That, it, it unfolded exactly the same way that Abel Danger and mm-hmm. Tony Schaefer had told us. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, now, the irony is, as I, as I was telling Frank, and I'm still stunned about this, is two days ago I found out that the briefing group, the entire briefing group that briefed us, mm-hmm. okay, uh, 14 months before, they were in the exact section of the Pentagon when that supposed plane hit the Pentagon. Wow. And they were and they were killed to the man. They were killed to the person, okay? Wow, and the only person that survived was Tony Schaefer. He just, by, just by a fluke, he happened to be out of the, out of that section, and he was headed to that section for a meeting, mm-hmm. and that whole section was killed. Wow. So, am I understanding right. this right, or just being too far out there in thinking that um, the implication is at least that uh, that was um, planned? To, to kind of get rid of the people who knew about it. Is, is that correct, or is that not what you're getting That's at? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I mean, there, there, are, there are no coincidences in intelligence yeah. work. And well, it's, it's kind of like okay. everyone, um, as you'd expect, they give everyone just enough information to keep things going, to keep the clockwork running, but they won't let any individual person know more than they need to know and then when they do know more than they need to know they eliminate them i, yeah. I mean that's so far that's what it's sounding like yeah. well that's a little little on the james bondy inside but mm-hmm. but but what they have are all intelligence units and, mm-hmm. and including including al-qaeda okay al-qaeda is structured this way mm-hmm. is that it's called compartmentalization where we're broken down into cells Mm-hmm. And in case one group or one person is taken prisoner, okay, mm-hmm. and we run, we ran into this problem with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed of Al Qaeda, is is if one person is taken prisoner, yeah. he only needs under torture. He can only tell what he knows. Yeah, sure. And he's only told a certain amount to protect the other cells. Okay, mm-hmm. that's just the way things work. Yeah, that's why it's ridiculous. That's why it's just ridiculous to capture these terrorist suspects, and then torture them because they don't know. They simply don't mm. know. 
Right. And right. The, the thing that's is... How they, that's how this operates, mm -hmm. all right? And presumably anyone doing the kidnapping knows that that person probably can't tell them much. Because, you know, all these different operations on a certain level operate on on the same basis. So presumably they'll know, mm -hmm. even if they do ca capture person A or B, they're not going to get more than 10%, 5% of the information they really want. Well, as I was watching on C-SPAN this morning, uh, they were talking about um, Guantanamo Bay mm -hmm. and all the uh, terrorist suspects that are there. And that's why it was so ridiculous to, to actually have an institution like Guantanamo Bay because th those people that they captured, took in there, were, were first of all questionable, okay, as who they were, and then secondly, what they knew. Okay, and they've been in there for what, some of them have been there for eight, nine years. Right. And so, what, you know, if they hardly knew anything to begin with, Okay, why would why eight nine years later? What would they have that was relevant? Yeah. Okay, you know, to a terrorist operation. Mm -hmm. So that's why you know that's why the whole thing has been just basically eyewash for the American people. Okay, all this counterterrorism nonsense is exactly what it is is nonsense. All right. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, I um, immediately we were activated. Okay, mm -hmm. and and everybody everybody was you know getting ready to go. We we had to retrain, and we and we were informed that we were either going to Afghanistan or Iraq. Okay, now nobody was ever quite too clear on why we were going to Iraq. Okay, we could right. understand Afghanistan because Bin Laden was supposedly in. You know, and, and, and as I have found now, after after 10 years of doing this, is everybody in Afghanistan knew where bin Laden was, except for the Americans. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Okay. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, Afghanistan has limited carrying capacity for a large group of people. Yeah. And at any given time, bin Laden had 2,000 people in his retinue. Okay, mm -hmm. and those people have to be supported. They have to be transported. Yeah, they have to be you know fed. Mm -hmm. They have to be armed. They have to be logistics. You know, they have to be. I mean, it just goes on and on. So, so two thousand people moving in a limited carrying capacity like Afghanistan would be spotted almost immediately. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, and so and so there they were, and I was able to you know get input from even American gem hunters, okay, like, you know, like that, that hunt, you know, rare gems, and and they told me right where he was. I really? Mean, everybody knew right where, where Ben Laden was the whole wow. time. It's like knowing where the queen so, is. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, I, okay, I so my, my assignment, as I understood it, was to go to Iraq, mm -hmm. all right? There was a, something called weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Real quick, uh, sorry to interrupt. And, what year are we talking about? When was this happening? Okay. Now, now this is coming up on two thousand three. Okay. 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 And could I just butt in there? And I, I, I don't know if it is an appropriate question, but what did it feel like receiving some of this information? Things like, um, 
you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen and write a will and sort out your life or you're going to go to this country. Um, are you currently or were you then essentially desensitized to that emotional turmoil or is well, it, it for me it would be stressful me, you know correct me if i'm wrong but i mean the psychological effect of being told you know write your will is so that you are pretty much prepared for anything including uh giving up your life yeah. or whatever mission you're on correct well, i guess I mean, it's just a personal it, question yeah like what does it feel like i mean did it work like i guess would be my question writing your will and all that well, you know, I, I, I subscribe to the Jean-Paul Sartre school mm. of, mm -hmm. of fate. Okay. Yeah. We, we all put ourselves in the position that we are. Yep. Okay. We make the conscious decision. Yeah. And, and I had made the conscious decision almost 20 years before to be in the intelligence business. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, you're right. You're right. And, and, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I expected it. I've been on assignments for many, many years, to, you know, all over the world. Mm -hmm. So this was really nothing new. Okay. It mm -hmm. wasn't any exception. All right. And, and, you know, with America being in a new war about every 10 years, right. you know, it, it just, it's not, you know, it, okay. So, so I, I, I did what they told me. Okay. You know, I, you know, you know, uh, that's one of the things that you do is, is in this organization, you follow orders. Okay. And so anyway, I was informed. I called into an office one day at my unit, and they said, "They said, Doc, you know, since I, since I am a doctor mm -hmm. and I provide the medical care, you know, okay, for my group, okay." Okay. They said, "Look, they said, they said, you're you're going to Iraq," and I said, "Well, no, I don't really want to go to Iraq. Mm -hmm. I I'm retired. Okay, I'm retiring. I have my my." my letter in to retire yeah and they said well that's rescinded now okay you you're you're what is called reverse drafted and oh, wow. go to iraq is that because they so, they were the other, low on right. people they really needed you what was the issue or were you the only one qualified well, they, to they weren't, taking, they weren't taking any 18 year olds anymore okay. Notice they took no 18 year olds okay they took all the older people that were in their you know like my myself i was in, in my 30s Okay, they said, okay. Well, let me tell you, that's not very old, Greg. Let's <laughs> let's slow down there. 30's not that. All right, we're, we're still at our prime, damn well, it. Well, I, I felt myself growing older by the day, to be quite honest. So, I believe it. So, so they, they said that I was, at, I was one of five fully qualified to go to Iraq with my credentials. Mm -hmm. So, guess what? I, I, w I was headed to Iraq, you know. I had a duffel bag ready to go and headed mm -hmm. to Iraq. So, so, but they said the big push on with Iraq was to locate weapons of mass destruction. Okay. And, and, and this is where my whole life begins to disrail. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, my, my train started to jump off the track at this point. Mm -hmm. I, we, we, after going to Fort Bragg, and then we we arrived. We crossed over Egypt, and you 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 haven't seen anything to you've seen the pyramids at night with a full moon on them. And I can only we, imagine. We into Kuwait. Yeah. Oh well. Well, it was something. But but we flew into Kuwait, mm -hmm. and in, the next morning landed there, and and then by and then I happened to meet a group. Okay, of MPs from West Virginia, and I'll never forget this, is, mm -hmm. is they were all headed to a place called Abu Ghraib. Uh-huh. 
Abu Ghraib prison. Right, okay. right. And 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 there were there was one among uh, among them a young young woman who looked like she couldn't realize couldn't couldn't understand how she'd left left West Virginia and ended up in some place called Kuwait. Okay, she she mm-hmm. looked like she had the zap put on her head. Oh, and wow. her name was Lindy Lindy England. Okay, so you might remember that name. All right, because you know she was. Mm-hmm. She was the picture of, of the of the young woman holding a, a dog leash attached to an Iraqi. Oh yes, 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 yeah, yeah, right. inside the prison. Right. That, oh wow! Right, right, right. That that was Lindy England. Okay, and so I and, and, and we'll and we'll jump a little bit here forward. I happen to know personally all those kids that went to prison over Abu Ghraib. So, uh, so Abu Ghraib was very personal to me. All right, wow. and and so I didn't realize it at the time, but Abu Abu Ghraib was going to be our command center, mm-hmm. Building One A, along with the Central Intelligence Agency. We were we were in in country in Iraq, in a place called Abu Ghraib Prison. Okay, mm-hmm. now, you know, I'm not I'm not the brightest person in the world. And the sharpest knife in the drawer, the brightest bulb in the box. Okay, well, you're but pretty bright. <laughs> <struck me> as, <laughs> well, well, it struck me as very odd that that after liberating a country that had had one of the worst dictators in in history yeah. in charge and had tortured thousands of people and executed thousands of people in this prison, that we should reactivate this prison and turn it into another prison, okay, wow. with us running it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that sounds like a PR disaster on wheels. Okay. Right. Right. So, but but what but what do I know? Remember, I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Average. You know, I just go where they tell me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, we were looking we were looking for weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. and 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 like I said, this is where my life takes a real unusual bent. Okay. Because and and, um, and could I quickly and, ask? And this, and this, um. Uh, aside from the destination and your your final go- goal, which is to find these weapons, how much did you really know? I mean, did you know exactly what was there? You know where you were headed, and uh, well, you know when you arrived, how much was a surprise? <laughs> well, uh, have you ever heard the term "learn as you go"? Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's what we were doing. Okay. Learning as we went, okay, mm-hmm. and so I, I happened to be down on the Tigris River one day, mm-hmm. okay, and yeah, and, a, and a, I was up at the air base called Balad, the famous Balad Air Base, you know, Camp Anaconda, okay, mm-hmm. and 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 I was down on the river, and I looked up and there was a a little tiny girl in a, in a little red dress. Mm-hmm. And she walked up to me, and she, and she had a, a, a silver pitcher of water, okay? Okay. And I was standing there, and I was, and I had been watching a, a, an Apache helicopter moving up the Tigris River looking for anybody to shoot at, okay? It was scanning the reed banks, waiting for somebody to shoot at it. And so I was watching that, and this little girl walks up with this silver carved, carved silver pitcher of water, and... And hand it up to me like she's offering me water. And then, and it's like, well, where'd this little girl come from? And I look up and here's her father walking up to me. 
And mm-hmm. and so this it seems kind of strange, strange way to go into weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the father was the commander of the fighter bomber wing who had dropped the weapons of mass destruction nerve gas on the Kurds at Halabja and the Iranians at the Shadowrav waterway. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so so we were talking and you know, obviously I can talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to be a good talker to be a you be a spy. Okay? Yeah. Right, right. And you have to be able to communicate with people, okay. Uh Hollywood types that brood, okay, don't make good spies. Okay, so was this all conducted all right. in, in English or a mixture or just out of interest? Yes. At that time, yes it was. He walked up and I said, Well how how do you how do you know you know English? Because his English he, he kind of resembled an an actor out of like uh, a spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Right, so, right. And and he had that he had that look and he said and he said that firstly everybody in Iraq was was multilingual. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they either spoke Russian and Arabic, they spoke English and Arabic, or they spoke French and Arabic. Okay. He spoke French and he spoke Russian and he spoke English and he spoke Arabic, of course. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so but he said, Look, he said he, you know, as as we were drinking the water, okay, the iced water, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and, and, and it was so hot, by the way, when we were standing there that we, that my, my boot, my boots, the soles of my boots actually melted. To no the way. That we were standing there. Yes, wow. Frank. Yes. You know, I thought I knew what hot was because I've been to Death Valley. Okay. Right, I right. I knew what hot was. Okay. No, I had no idea what hot was. Wow. Right? And so, and so we were talking and, and, and in, in fact, my my feet got so hot that it it it, it my big toes mm-hmm. okay were, were resting up against the bottom of my boot, and it actually burned my my toenails off. <sighs> my toenails dropped off about three days later. Okay. That is incredible. So, that is hot. Okay. So you're standing in this heat talking to the guy that dropped. Right. What? Right. Geez. Okay. And go so on. He, so he says. So he says. Okay. Well. Now, now that you Americans have invaded our country, all right, uh, you know, looking for weapons of mass destruction, I suppose you want to find them, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you find them, will you get out of here? And I said, oh, of course, that's what we came here for. Mm-hmm. And I was rather naive, by the way, okay? Mm-hmm. And I want everybody, I want your listeners to understand that I'm very naive, okay, in these affairs. And and he said, okay. Tomorrow morning, I will take you to the supply of weapons of mass destruction that you that you call them. He didn't call them that. He, he said he knew we called them that. Okay, mm-hmm. and he said I will I will give you the last remaining weapons of mass destruction if you get out of our country. Mm-hmm. Will you do that? I said, as far as I know, yes, we will. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to go home just like everybody else wants mm-hmm. to go home, and you want us out of here, so. And so um, thought, okay. sorry to butt in again, but did you fully believe this at the time? And I don't mean um, just about uh, the man showing you the weapons, but about you and 
everyone you know associated with you being able to leave did you really believe that um you know the government would be like okay we found them let's go because like, is I, that what they well, everyone was made I to believe? I think that I mean you said you know that that you're not you know very you know you're not very bright or something to that extent. But I think uh, what people should understand is that you were on a need to know basis, correct? And I mean, in the in the military or uh, these branches, you're not taught to question orders you receive orders and you carry them out so it was nothing about being naive it was no, just, yeah, I, right? I have no doubt that greg is in the top one percent of the entire world you know <laughs> correct um but i was wondering whether everyone there would trusted their superiors well yes you're right genevieve okay now mm -hmm. Uh, it was in the back of my mind thinking, either this guy is going to lead me into an ambush mm -hmm. and I'm going to get my head sawn off on the internet. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. Or I'm going to be blown up. Okay. Uh, or there is going to be something there. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, you know, I, I, I did it. I took about as many precautions as I could with this fellow. Okay? Of course, yeah. And, and, and then I spoke to him at length after he said, yes, we have, we have the WMD you're looking for, all right. So, so, and and he proceeded to tell me exactly, you know, the, the all the logistics that were required for killing millions of people with VX gas. Oh okay? wow! Yes. Which I will admit, so, I only know what VX gas is because I watched The Rock with um, Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery. <laughs> that's um, that's so, what they have in the rockets, well, right? It's a nerve gas. What what do the um, letters stand for, well, though? Yes, v, VX stands for, uh, it's a it's a type of gas, it's about a fifth generation, what's called Cyclone B. Oh yes, the one and, they used during World War II, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, right, that the Germans used. Right. Okay. Now, and some people, now, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a big World War II buff, and I may be geeking out a bit, but I don't know if you can corroborate this or, or maybe tell me uh, if you know, but some people claim that while uh, Pope John Paul II was living in Poland, um, obviously way before he became a pope, he helped, uh, he worked at the factory where uh, Cyclone B was uh, produced. I don't know if you heard about that, or maybe you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is just something that I heard then. I want to sound smart you know, from time to time. <laughs> I, I, I have I have a court case, okay, mm -hmm. Frank? I have a court case, and your listeners can look it up, by the way. They can look up this okay. court case. It's, it's in San Francisco in the Ninth Circuit Court, and it's being has been heard right now because of what happened to me. All mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. it's mainly what happened to me when when I did when I did two things. Okay, mm -hmm. when I reported uh, when I reported war crimes of torture and assassination and murder, as I was required to by mm -hmm. Geneva Conventions, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. and law, and also when I when, when I reported finding weapons of mass destruction. VX slash GF. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you're right. Cyclone, Cyclone B was was developed uh, on a patent. Okay, as owned by somebody named Prescott Bush. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great grandfather of uh, Prescott Bush. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. Actually, great grandfather to George W. Right. W. 
George H.W. Bush. Okay, okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Was it, and Prescott Bush was his father, all right? Right. Now, uh, under okay, under a payment of, of royalties, okay, mm-hmm. is, is the Bush family uh, had the formulation for Cyclone B, mm-hmm. and they... They actually licensed Cyclone B to the group called IG Farben. IG Farben is the largest chemical company in the world right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, sorry, could you spell the so, um, last word, last name for me? Um, okay. Farben. Okay, that uh, IG Farben. Okay. okay. Is and 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 Farben is spelled F A R V E N. V E N. All right. I just All right. okay. V E N. Right. And 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 I've had to investigate all of this since what was done to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. And and the reason why, and I'll tell you why, what was done to me, and why I'm so angry about all of this, mm-hmm. is okay. But I will tell your listeners later. All right. But so so the the colonel showed up at nine o'clock the next day, mm-hmm. and. And he, he said, okay, bring a light, and we are going to go underground. Oh, wow. I thought, okay, Greg, you've really done this, okay? Right, right. You really put your foot in it this time, eh? And so, so anyway, he and I walked over, and, and there was a bunker, underground bunker, hidden. And, and there was a stairwell going down to it. And we walked down, and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. Okay, I'm descending into hell. All right, yeah. and we walk to uh, this is two two floors down underground, and this is on Balad. Okay, mm-hmm. and he he comes to some metal doors, and he pulls on the doors, and and of course this big blast of heat hits me in the face, mm-hmm. and walk in and it's pitch black, and and I turned out I had a red light that I, I wore on my, my equipment. And the red light was to not not detonate any type of what are called electroflux booby traps. Okay. Okay. And so I had my red light on, so I was seeing everything in a in a red light. And so the first thing I saw were several crates, large crates, about eighteen feet long, about three and a half feet high. And uh, and he said, Here they are, get rid of them. You people sold us these. You mm. people, okay. Oh wow! United States of America sold us these weapons. You get them out of here. Oh wow! And mm-hmm. so I, I, I walked over, and and I looked at the floor and I panicked. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, there was a Russian chemical test kit on the floor that was used, and you know the test for weapons of mass destruction chemical. Right, right, and but. It, it wasn't positive, okay, so, so yeah. okay, so I calmed down, and then I walked over, and, and, let me see, how can I put this for your listeners, okay, on the end of each packing crate, there were, uh, was, was a plastic envelope with documents, okay, and these were called bills of lading. Sorry, can and, you, bills of, uh, sorry? What was it? Bills of? Bills of lading. L-A-D-I-N-G. Okay, lading. Okay. Okay. Right. And, and what these were, 
were where the, where these weapons were made. They were actually converted uh, U.S. P-400 bomb casings, and mm-hmm. these bomb casings had been reconfigured, okay, in Fort Rucker, Alabama. Okay, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Okay, so that's, that that was indicated on the cases. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and 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 okay, so you know, I, I mean, I I heard about uh, these chemical weapons of mass destruction that the Senate had specifically forbidden to be used mm-hmm. unless one of our allies was being overrun in an emergency. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so, so I only not even they that, wouldn't even use it um, for themselves. Only if an ally right, is yeah, being right, okay, right, right, exactly. Okay, the Senate said that. Okay. And what I did not realize, okay, uh, was I never thought I'd see one of these. Okay, first of all, mm-hmm. but secondly, here it was. Okay, there were 29, and that number is very important, okay? There were 20, as I reported the FBI about a year later, there were 29 warheads, yeah. okay? These are warheads, okay? And they were they were reconfigured, okay, bomb, bomb casings in Fort Rucker. They were loaded onto a train in Fort Rucker and sent to a place called Pine Bluffs, Arkansas. This was in the mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were stored until they were needed for the first Gulf War. Yeah. And they were shipped by a railhead. Okay, I'm going through this slowly. This is mm-hmm. what I'm reading in red light. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and this is I'm still all indicated on, on the casings in front of you. It's all yes, documented. Right. And, okay. Right. And, and, and they were loaded onto a Navy, uh, uh, strategic carrier. Okay. Like a, a, it was a, it was a ship, shipping, mm-hmm. a Navy shipping carrier called the USS Wabash. Okay. The USS Wabash. All right. I'll say that name twice. So okay. everybody gets it. Okay. And they were shipped. Okay. To, uh, Spain. And from Spain, they were airlifted into Turkey. Yeah. And from Turkey, they were trucked across the border into Iraq. And, and there is a, and there is, there wasn't a picture, but I saw a picture of, first of all, Dick Cheney mm-hmm. shaking the hand of Saddam Hussein to secure these weapons wow. in an agreement to drop on, on the heads of the Kurds in the Halabja campaign. Oh wow! You know, hours, a few, a few, a few hours after that picture was taken, a Dick Cheney shaking the hands of Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those weapons were being air deployed by by the commander who was standing right next to me, telling me all this stuff. Okay, and and they were dropped and they were killed. Several hundred thousand Kurds in Halabja. Uh, wait, uh, so you you, you saw re- a picture. Uh, well, no, I, no, there was no, no. I saw a picture later. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So this was still part right. of the retelling. Uh, yeah, that's a famous picture, by the way. That was called the Anfal campaign. Okay. Uh, of Hussein, A A N F A L. A N F A L. And 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 these these weapons were parachuted onto the heads of the Kurds within hours after Dick Cheney shook the hand of Saddam Hussein. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. And those same weapons were also dropped on the Iranians, mm-hmm. and they shot a raw waterway. And, and as a result, you know, several hundred thousand Iranian troops died. And, mm-hmm. and right now, and I'll say this with irony, that w- we are afraid of Iran having weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Uh, we better rethink this, all right, okay? Because as far as I know, no American has ever been killed by an Iranian weapon of mass destruction. Right, right. right? But we have killed several hundred thousand, if not a million, Iranians with our weapons of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, boy, uh, well, where, where am I now? Okay. Uh, so, on. <laughs> we're, we're actually good. we'll we'll take a, a quick break because I mean obviously this information I mean we're sitting here and we're literally like googling everything you say and it's coming up and we're we're trying to keep up with with everything you've been saying and on saying encourage well, the people at home question. to uh, to do the same. And, and I'll say, I'll say this, okay? Uh-huh. I'll say this because this is a court case right now. Right. I'll even give you the court number, okay? Okay. But I want your listeners, and I want you guys, uh, mm-hmm. both you, you know, Frank, and you, Genevieve, too. Mm-hmm. Please, please confirm everything I say. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. That that'll keep the fifty-one fifties and the cat J's from calling in and saying, "Oh, this is all nonsense." <laughs> right. Right. Please confirm confirm everything I say. Yeah. No. I mean, I uh, we're literally just that. we're looking stuff up as you mentioned, and we're seeing the pictures and we're seeing the information, uh, you know, right in front of us. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'll t- we'll take a break. Just you Can know, I have to a let wh- you uh, to end this break. Your break. Well, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to give Greg a, a few of the questions that have been posted. But yeah, go ahead. Um. Again, a more uh, more of an emotional question. What do you think it takes a a certain level or a full amount of um, psychopathy? Being a bit of a sociopath to be able to go through with these things and make these decisions, you know, from higher up, are the other people leading countries? Um, I guess is it almost necessary that you're at least partially sociopathic? Because I I don't feel that a normal human with normal human capacities could make these decisions in such a cold-hearted way, or are they just at home like crying themselves to sleep? <laughs> what do you think? Okay, um, Genevieve, um, the way the Middle East. I, I think works, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and believe me, I have it challenged every day. I have people call in and want to know about people I recruited. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know one of my recruits. I, you know, I, I mentioned that to Frank earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know one of my recruits. And my re- one of my recruits strikes terror, terror. As we're speaking, he is striking terror through the entire world. Okay, he's making the world shake right yeah. now. That was one of my recruits, all right? And so the Middle East, okay, has had, for the last 40 years, has had three strongmen, okay, that, that knew what to do and didn't hesitate to do it, all right? Mm-hmm. One was Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> right. And who, 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 who was displaced from his place of employment okay, about a year and a half ago. 
And the other one was Hafiz Assad, who burned to death. Okay, this is the kind of strength, okay? And it is strength. Call it psychopathic or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it is strength. He yeah. burned to death 500, 500 little uh, schoolgirls that didn't want to wear the uniform that his wife had designed. Mm-hmm. So he had them burned to death. Okay. Um, you know, everybody's upset about one uh, Jordanian pilot being burned to death. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, it happens. All right. Jeez. Now, um, um, and, and then the other was, was of course, Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those were the three strongmen who survived several decades. Okay. Right. And they didn't survive because they were kinder, as, Je- as George H.W. Bush said, kinder and gentler. Okay. No, they were not. Okay. Yeah. They didn't hesitate to kill. All right. And and they didn't hesitate to kill on a large, massive scale. And they they all had something that that we want. America wants. That's why these people were allowed to stay in, in the position that they were. Right. They right. had something we wanted. All right. Remember that virtually all of those countries were on our black operations list of allies. All right. Mm-hmm. The, the people that we've been, uh, that we were sending our suspects to, Libya, Syria, okay, were, were taking our suspects and torturing them, all right, in their prisons. Okay. Since wow. we couldn't do that on U.S. shores. Right. Of course. So, of course. So, and, and if you remember, who was our ally against Iran? It was Iraq. We gave them intelligence. We gave wow. them weaponry, right. obviously, as I'm telling you, your listeners. And so they were, they were, he was our ally. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and look at Saudi Arabia. I mean, Prince Bandar, who's basically going to inherit the, the kingdom, mm-hmm. okay, very shortly, his, his nickname is Prince Bandar Bush. Right. Yeah, it's like the little pet name they gave him. That's you almost scary. <laughs> it is. It really is how how in bed these people are. And I mean, it kind of justifies what a lot of us uh, found out that uh, private planes were chartered to take the Saudi Arabian uh, uh, royal family, I believe, out of the U.S. shortly after the 9-11 attacks when there were strict orders not to let planes fly um, during plane that time. Fly. Correct. Um, right. And Greg, we're gonna we're just gonna well, take a quick break, but I wanna I wanna pass on a, a, a couple of questions that I saw in the chat room real quick. Um, the first one coming from uh, Professor Madness in the chat room. He he wanted to ask you uh, how long does the uh, or um, let me see. I'm trying to read here. Uh, how long does the longest training class last? Oh, to to be an agent. Uh, I I I think uh, yeah. Or once you're an agent, you you said you're in constant training. I think that's when this question came right. in, and they were just wondering. I guess what's the I guess average it means certain, time? Certain tasks. Oh, okay. See, some some were six weeks. Some were six months. Mm-hmm. You know, it all depends. Okay. Uh, on what what they're teaching. It all depends. I okay. see. Uh, T.M. So, Merlo uh, wants to wanted to ask uh, if you can confirm that Cheney told Norad to stand down on um, the morning of September 11th. 
the Cheney, now, it's, that sounds like something Cheney would do, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the way I understand it, I don't have a definitive answer for that mm-hmm. question, is this, is that in NORAD's entire history, okay, from the time it was embedded into Cheyenne Mountain mm-hmm. and, and, and connected to the dew line in Alaska, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, it was never shut down for servicing except for one time. And everybody that's listening to this knows what time that was. The morning of 9-11. Right, right. So, I, you know, now, I the way I understand it is, and I, believe me, I will hold Dick Cheney responsible for everything that has been done because he is responsible for everything that has been done, including... To include the village idiot, George W. Bush, and that little weasel, uh, Don Rumsfeld, all right? (laughs) The world would be a much better place if they were all put in bracelets and frog-marched into the nearest Huskow, okay? You know, terrorism would stop, amazingly would stop, all right? Uh, All this problem with ISIS would stop overnight, okay, if that were to happen. So that, that that is my opinion. And it gets much lower in the next hour. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I want to. I want to get into that for sure in the next hour. Uh, and the last question I see here before we we go to break is: uh, Can you ask Greg uh, how he deals with the anxiety of knowing so many secrets? And that honestly, that is a brilliant question because I wonder that myself. How how do you how can you you know go about your 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 daily life? Uh, knowing all these things and uh, you know obviously while you were active and now it seems like it, it's probably a little bit more uh, dangerous right well as i said in the beginning of your show and i'm an average guy okay you know you, you know when you're going through school you know you, you see everybody getting a's and b's well i got c pluses right. okay mm. so that means i have to work a lot harder to learn this stuff and discover it you know, what I've discovered. Okay. So I read, and, and plus you could surmise everything by looking at my court case and I will give the listeners my court case numbers. They can look it up. Okay. okay? Because you'll see everything that I'm telling you in that court case that has, that has completely been, what's the word, encapsulated in an entire court case that is giving the courts fits, by the way. Okay. Uh, it's absolutely giving the, uh, the, the state court, uh, the federal court of the Ninth Circuit fits over what you're hearing tonight. All right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, I, I, I live with it. Okay. Meaning out of anger, I live with it. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. Um, I mean, obviously, your training prepares you for a lot of these, you know, uh, moments of just heavy, you know, uh, situations that you encounter and 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 they train you psychologically to to deal with a lot of things but i i imagine that you know there's still that side of that very private intimate side that 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 we hold on to that probably struggles with a lot of these things but i can understand being uh you know anger and outrage being a great motivator to to continue to carry on so uh, i want to thank you for such an honest answer greg um 
we're gonna we're gonna take just a a short uh break i'm gonna play a, a song or two uh let you you know uh, get a drink of water and and you know just kind of get get ourselves back together here but uh i want to thank everybody that that is uh tuning in and sending their questions keep them coming um uh, you know this is um yeah i mean i think the great the 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 break is mainly for me <laughs> because this is pretty pretty intense so great will you be so kind to just hang on the line for for a few minutes while we while we take the short break and then come back and we're going to dive into the to the rest of the conversation that, that you know this this first hour definitely has set us up for for what's coming next uh is that all right that's great with me frank okay great so just stand by we're going to be right back um we got obviously uh greg ford on the line the first hour it's it's bonkers uh genevieve how, how are you holding up over there i just can't believe you just said bonkers i just said bonkers <laughs> I, it was actually one of my favorite cartoons actually uh there used to be a cartoon about a cat i believe named bonkers it's just an awful song by an awful british rapper called bonkers don't want to know about it <laughs> but uh anyways uh, shout out to everybody to stick around. Tell your friends. Uh, we, we still got one more hour. So, um, tune in, uh, hang on, enjoy the jams. Uh, if you missed the first hour, don't worry. We're, we'll be posting this. You should show. worry. You should, well, you should worry. worry. But, <laughs> Go send um, in your Honestly, not send fret. in your questions. Cause yeah. I mean, even if we, if we don't get to them or if we don't get to them straight away, like we'll get to them. Believe uh, me. We, we make a note. I think it's interesting either way. Yeah. So uh, don't go away. What's the Rockies on the Independent FM? Uh, shout out to everybody listening through Ustream, iHeart, and all the other crazy platforms that uh, they can catch us on. Uh, enjoy these jams. We're going to be right back. Uh, here we go. Let's do the Rockies with Frank. What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. the second hour of west of the rockies i'm frank thank you guys for sticking around i know it's late but boy was the first hour wild or what and it's only gonna get wilder so uh buckle up it sounds like you're talking about like a teenage party or something <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's definitely a party and i'm young in spirit so there we go was that was that too tacky anyways uh it's always engineering frank on twitter uh west of the rockies on facebook our good buddy uh jimmy that's jaime roque on twitter Genevieve Uway on Twitter. Don't forget to uh, follow the show, West of the Rockies, on Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash WOTR radio. Check out the site, WOTRradio.com. We just posted the show with um, uh, 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 with James Wright, uh, former 32nd degree Mason. Uh, boy, did that show get, get some, uh, yeah, I'm still hearing about it to this day from uh, 
all kinds of people, Masons and non-Masons alike. So that lets me know that it engages people. So that's that's great news uh, <laughs> for me uh, to hear. Um, also, as you know, this segment is brought to you by Haunted OC. Next weekend, next Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, is the mm-hmm. big overnight investigation at the Waffle House with uh, none other than Chad Lindbergh of yeah. uh, Ghost Stalkers. If you uh, haven't checked out the show, check it out. And you may also know him from Fast and the Furious, I Spit on Your Grave, Supernatural. I mean, Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad. I think he was in Breaking Bad as well. <laughs> I could be wrong. I think you just made that up. <laughs> but no, he's literally, he's one of those guys that, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, yeah. he, he's everywhere and one of the nicest, coolest guys I ever met and, uh, and, uh, and, and really, uh, fortunate to call a friend. Uh, so if you're in the LA area or plan to be in the LA area, I know that there's a few tickets left for this overnight investigations they're gonna have cameras they're gonna investigate they're gonna send people on their own to this house <laughs> honestly i like oh yeah i like the style of what they're doing yeah so. are you gonna go in by yourself um i probably would but in theory i wouldn't so i don't, I don't well, know what would happen I'm i think i think there like, may be I, have, wine. I don't want to there especially. may be wine at this event i don't know don't quote me on that but if there is oh, we'll goodness. be sure to give genevieve and can send her in there i'll go in anyway that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> anyways with that without further ado let's bring uh, uh greg back on the line greg can you hear me okay Yes, I can. Frank. Awesome. Uh, we just finished doing our all our social media plugs. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and more info about you and all that good stuff? Okay. Well, I wish they could find me down in OC. I mean, you guys are having way too much fun down there. <laughs> Well, there. tell you what. Whenever you're in Southern California, give me a call, and we'll be sure to uh, show you a good time. At least Genevieve will. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 well, what's your social media? Twitter, Facebook. Okay, Facebook. Yes, you can go to my you know website. Uh, uh, you, you can see me in my working outfit. Okay, in the rock. All right. Mm-hmm. So, now, um, and then you'll be able to read my book this time next year. Really, my biographer has been putting my book together. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. And, and as you might imagine. Oh, wait. as you might imagine, he's having a really tough time doing it. Okay. Right, because right. My, you know, my story doesn't just fade away. It, it actually gets bigger every day. Okay. So so we should have a, about a, approximately 500 pages ready for reading in, in January of this coming year. Oh, wow. Wow, I can't wait for that. I did not know that. That's uh, exciting news for me, uh, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, that is really cool that that you're gonna be putting all this stuff in in a book. Or uh, what? What is your uh, what? What is the book uh, focusing mainly on? I should ask. Okay. Um, well, let me see. Me, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but um, it's going to be on what happened. You know, a little bit about my my history, my past, and so forth. Right. Um, which, like I said, I'm the most average person in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and this book will actually attempt to tie all of everything that happened in Iraq with mm-hmm. what's happening today. Okay. And what happened in World War II, how it set the stage mm-hmm. for the weapons of mass destruction. And also, it will tie in 
with the Al-Qaeda situation, mm -hmm. and it will tie in with ISIS, mm -hmm. and it will uh, tie in with my court case. Wow. And if the, if the listeners would look, like to look up this court case, I'll give them that court case right now. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. It's in the Ninth Circuit Court, mm -hmm. and it is uh, my last name Ford F O R D. First, the com the command of the two hundred fifth Military Intelligence Abu Ghraib. And I'm sorry, what was it? The is, command um, 205? 203? No, I'm sorry, the 205th, 205. Yeah. Oh, 205, okay. Yeah. okay. Right. And and that includes the colonel, the infamous Colonel Pappas, Tom Pappas. Mm. Okay. If, if, if anybody was awake when Abu Ghraib was happening, okay, they know who Colonel Pappas is. Right, you're right. Okay. And and you'll be able to read a, some dazzling statements by my now good friend and, and, and former commanding officer, General Janice Karpinski. Okay. And, and everybody should know that name by now, Janice Karpinski. So. I'm, I'm going to bite the bullet on this one and say I, I am not familiar with that name. Can you tell us who that is? Okay. By, by the way, the yeah. number, the court case number is 14 dash 150 50. Okay. Right. And Janice Karpinski was the general in charge of all the prisons in Iraq. Yeah. And yeah. she was also yeah. in charge of, of Abu Ghraib. Mm -hmm. And the Building 1A, where the Central Intelligence Agency and my intelligence group was. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. To include the Israelis in it also. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, and this was around the time of 2003, I believe? Yes, 2003. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, uh, if you are get overwhelmed with what I'm telling you, you and your listeners, mm -hmm. is General Janice Karpinski did not know all that you're hearing tonight. Mm -hmm. She did not know that. Okay, yeah. and she she knows it now, but she didn't know it then. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, Greg. Um I know we got really deep into the conversation. Uh, when we left off, you were telling us about going into this underground bunker and finding these weapons of mass destruction. They were basically U.S. weapons. Uh, they were refurbished uh, uh, casings, um, uh, P400s, if I if I got my notes correct. Um, and, uh, and, yeah. and, and I believe roughly that's where we left off. Uh, is, uh, is there, uh, more than you want to elaborate before we do a quick, um, you know, uh, uh, travel through time of sorts? Because it's crazy how these key players in the Iraq war, at least one of them for, for, for sure from, from the conversation we had before the show, um, seems to, I mean, this seems to be his MO. I mean, some very 
um, nasty things, if I may put it, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in layman's terms. Mildly. <laughs> Mildly, yeah, occurred in, in Central America. And and one of the names that, that we, uh, that became a household name during the, the, the post-9-11 America and, and the invasion of Iraq, one of those names makes an appearance in, in, in this whole situation. But before we go there, I wanted to know if there's anything that you would like to elaborate or expand on when we were talking about these weapons of mass destruction, or should we um, go back a bit and then kind of bring it all full circle? I, I want to leave it up to you as, as far as how you feel it would make the most sense. Okay. Uh, we have to keep an eye on the time here. So, Genevieve, mm-hmm. can you please keep an eye and let me know when, when we have 15 minutes left. Okay. Okay. And, and I, will, I will go into that aspect of the Central America okay. uh, death squad and how mm-hmm. they connect to Iraq. Okay. 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 Sounds good. So, I think so we're happy to was, go um, five or ten minutes over. I mean, this is speaking for I know me, somebody uh, in the chat room said <laughs> they want this shit to go over, but we, uh, we got to accommodate. It's completely up to you, but if, if yeah, we, we only have two minutes uh, left and we want to... You, wanted... Greg, and stuff, but yeah, definitely... Uh, uh, on our behalf, it, it, it's quite all right. Um, We're but, lucky that we don't have a, a show afterwards, so even if it's just two, three, five minutes over... We'd be oh, grateful. It would be for my it. pleasure. Okay, We'd be great. Grateful. If, Thank if, you. If, if your listeners aren't sound asleep, no, our, our listeners are demanding. <laughs> yeah, they, our they listeners want more. Are so. demanding you to talk as much as possible. All <laughs> right. Well, like I say, you know, I, I love talking about me. I mean, it's my favorite subject. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. So there I was in the bunker. Mm-hmm. All right, under red light, and. I was, it was about 135 degrees in there. Jeez. And I'm, and as I'm sweating and trying to read this under red light, have you ever tried to read anything under a red light? Uh, it's almost, you know, sometimes it's almost impossible. I have, and it wasn't uh, family friendly. Um, but, presumably, yeah. this is just, uh, <laughs> presumably it's so, because um, the red light has a lower frequency, so it's not detected by the higher frequencies. Is that correct? Or? Well, what what happens is is there are certain types of, of booby traps yeah. that were developed by the East Germans, mm-hmm. and 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 they have a, they fire a beam of light. Yeah, and and if you break that beam of light, it detonates the booby trap. Oh wow! So that's what I was afraid of. So, but if you have a red light, okay, if you have a red light, that that neutralizes that beam. Okay. 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 Right. So, so I. I was sitting in there, and I thought, okay, what do I do now? We've got the mother load, okay, of weapons of mass destruction. And I knew that Hans Blix and the weapons inspectors were looking for the registered 29 P400 converted bomb casing, bomb casings, VX slash GF. Now, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll add the GF. Nobody knows what the GF means, but that is a designator to the type of VX this was. Okay. Oh, wow. And what that means is, is that this VX, once it was activated, this, this organophosphate, uh, platinum catalyzer was so deadly that it would turn, it, it would become, uh, what's, what's called micro droplets like a fog. Mm-hmm. And one micro droplet on your skin will kill, will kill you. Okay. Wow. There is no antidote on yeah. earth that could stop VX slash GF. 
because one canister in the city, one canister in the city mm-hmm. can kill the city. Okay? Well, and that's and why they're called city killers. And again, I apologize for bringing such a pop culture reference, but uh, it's it's really interesting because in the movie The Rock, they're dealing with a a, a group of. Uh, of uh, ex-military who have VX gas, and it seems that the only way that they can, you know, prevent dying from VX gas is by uh, shooting adrenaline straight to their hearts with these huge syringes. But what you're saying is that this particular type of VX gas uh, with the added GF, there was no way to stop that from happening, correct? It was it was mortal by definition. There, there, are, some redeeming, there are some redeeming qualities to Hollywood. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, now I didn't see that movie, but no. what you're describing sounds like a, the, the classic treatment, okay, mm-hmm. for you know the atropine treatment for VX. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, there is no treatment. If you get exposed to where you actually feel the effects, you're dead. Okay. okay. But but yeah. those that those, those syringes are basically so you can tell mom back home that you know if this does happen that you do have a way of, of, of surviving. Okay. Uh, I see. But the VX slash GF, it doesn't matter if you're wearing protective clothing, what's called a mop suit, mm-hmm. you don't have any chance at all of surviving with VX slash GF. And to show you how dangerous this is and how sensitive this, this subject matter is, is these weapons were on ground during the first Gulf War. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. And our, and these weapons were registered with our Central Command's weapon registry, log registry, all right? So that doesn't mean much to a normal person, but I can put it in context this way, uh-huh. is that is that it, it was so sensitive a, a subject matter that there was only one person in the entire Gulf War that was informed that VX slash GF was there and could possibly use, be used against our troops which would kill every troop, okay, that I was exposed to. Yeah. And that was Norman Schwarzkopf. He knew, he knew that these weapons were on ground and could kill every troop that we had, okay, in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, he knew that, okay, and nobody was notified. Wow. Okay, so that's how dangerous these weapons are. Right, right. So, so I, what I did was, then I detached what's called a dispersal door, okay, as, as, as these are dropped, I remember I had the expert standing next to me, mm-hmm. okay, telling me how these, how these weapons work. You know, yeah. I'm not an expert in, in weapons of mass destruction. I don't know, okay. And as I found out later, I, uh, on another issue completely, I was looking at nuclear detonators, but I had no idea oh, until wow. several years later that I was looking at nuclear detonators. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, right. And so, but I did not realize, okay, exactly what these things meant. Okay, what, what do these 29 cases mean? And so the colonel, okay, said, look, he said, well, I, when I drop these, I have to, I put the switch, it pressurizes these tanks, okay, inside. And, and what it does, it deploys a parachute and the pressure builds up inside the casing mm-hmm. and disperses out this door. And he pointed and he put his finger right on the door. Okay. Yeah. And I looked and there was actually what was called a GSN. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. That means general supply number with a number. I couldn't believe it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's that's like shopping for nuclear warheads right. and finding an actual order number that you well, can it, find. It's a the equivalent of a barcode, essentially, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So these things were logged, like catalogs somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it's like going shopping. <laughs> Jeez. Well, yeah, and but the thing was, is Hans Blitz and the weapons inspectors had these numbers. Yeah. And they were desperately looking for these numbers. Mm. Okay, these weapons with mm-hmm. these numbers. So I took the dispersal door off and took it back to my command, which they were only a few hundred yards away, uh-huh. and. And I gave, I gave it to I gave the door to another agent, and he took it into the commander, and and set on the commander's desk and said, "Okay, here it is." And and here comes the commander, and and, and his eyes were dilated, and he said, "What? This is the this is the motherload of weapons of mass destruction." And he went and immediately called Washington, and said, "Look, we have found these weapons." Yeah. And the message came back saying, destroy those weapons immediately. Do not notify any news agency mm-hmm. that these weapons were found. Let me just take a moment to make sure that people are understanding the magnitude of this particular moment. <laughs> Basically, they were saying, don't tell anybody that the weapons of mass destruction that we're looking for are actually ours. Is that essentially what was order, uh, uh, what they order you to do? There's no ambivalency to this, Frank. Okay. <laughs> they said, uh, CNN was less than 100 yards away where they were headquartered in Balad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on the air base. Less than 100 yards. Okay. British intelligence, technical intelligence, was right next to us. Where do they sit, share the same office? Okay. It, you know, they're, they're on the air base. Mm-hmm. All right. Our order, our orders, uh, as, we, as I received them was first of all to shut my mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do not tell anybody. And secondly, all right. It goes like this. Okay. And that British, we did not have the capability of destroying those weapons. Mm. We simply didn't have it. Yeah, honestly, I was going. Had, I was going to ask, what did they expect you and the people around you to physically do? I mean, what does detonating something like that entail? Because I mean, you can't just destroy it. Yeah, there's no know? recycling bin for this stuff, right? <laughs> like, you can't just say, "Oh yeah." No, yeah. Honestly, that was one one of my first thoughts. Well, the, the ever clever British, okay, seem to know what to do. Okay, mm-hmm. and so they so immediately, and we have film footage of this DVD footage, okay, of what happened next. Okay, they, uh, they have a, spe- have a special team designed to dispose of chemical uh, chemical weapons and nuclear weapons found. Okay, any any that were found. Yeah. They had the cranes and they lifted the, they lifted the weapons out of the bunker through the bunker doors, top doors, you know, mm-hmm. there's doors on the surface, top doors, and they took them to what was called an arc furnace. Yeah. And they fed, they fed those, and this is all on film, okay, mm-hmm. excuse me, all recorded 
uh, on video, and they recorded every uh, every warhead being put into the arc furnace. And what comes out the back end of the arc furnace is about like white ash. It looks like it, it looks like somebody didn't clean their fireplace. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, redu- it reduces those weapons down to that. All right. And uh, and so. Uh, Sorry, uh, uh, how how does a I mean you don't have to go into the technical details, but how does such an arc furnace work? Because presumably you can't just burn weapons and hope that they'll just burn to ash. I mean, well, I, this is in my head. You know, I I have very basic understanding of this. Well, so do I, but but the, but. The way I understand it, and by the way, I took off every single packet mm-hmm. of information off of each uh, casing. Okay, wow. that was critical yeah, for yeah. documentation. All right. Now, here's something that I'm going to give your listeners, and they can really appreciate the situation that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Because the supplier who ordered those weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. To be, be first of all, be reconfigured, stored, and then shipped, was a company called Carlisle Group. No way, the Carlisle yep. Group, right? The, the, Carlisle the big... Limited. Wow. Yes. All and right. For the people at home that don't know, could you just explain super quick what who makes up the Carlisle Group? Okay, we'll, we'll take a couple of steps back here. All okay. right, there was a president, okay, back in the dream time mm-hmm. by the name of George H.W. Bush. Yep. All right. Now, he had he had a secretary of defense named Dick Cheney. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it pays to know a little history here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, George H.W. Bush had the deciding vote twice to dispose of all chemical weapons in America's arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He chose two times not to use his vote as vice president, yeah. okay, under under Ronald Reagan, okay, uh, to not destroy those weapons, okay? Now, the way I understand this is being the very clever robber baron that the Bushes are, and yeah. he is, and, and, and dear old dad, actually Prescott Bush, held the patents to Cyclone B that was produced by IG Farben. Yep. Okay. That was used to kill, um, uh, the kill, uh, the, the, uh, used to kill in the death camps. Okay. Mm-hmm. The German, uh, concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Nazi death camps. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was used, Cyclone B. Okay. Correct. Now, now, being being the cleaner, gentler person that George H. W. Bush is, he said, "Okay, great, I can probably make money off of this." And he and he and Frank Carlucci uh, actually uh, started a company called the Carlisle Group, named after the hotel where they started it. They actually started in the lobby of a hotel. Okay, and that was what their job was going to be, was to sell weapons of mass destruction to anybody who had the money. Okay, Mm -hmm. 
Now, the, in, the interesting thing here where it gets a little murky is, is that the CIA somehow came into this. Okay, the CIA started studying these arrangements, making these arrangements for the sale of weapons of mass destruction, okay, to, to, uh, to kinder, gentler types like Saddam Hussein, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, so I had all this documentation in my hands, and I didn't realize at the time that there was something called the, now we, we've nicknamed it now, it's called the Great Doc, uh, Bush Document Purge. Okay, the mm-hmm. great Bush document bird. That sounds and very Bertley. 1984-ish. I mean, and not knowing yes. anything about what you're saying, that sounds super 1984-ish. <laughs> well, at the time, okay, um, there was a purge going on of all government documentation that connected Saddam, the Saddam Hussein regime to mm-hmm. George H.W. Bush. Yeah. And the only reason why these documents survived was they were in a bunker underground, strapped to the to the weapons of mass destruction that nobody knew were there. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Carlisle Group is now responsible for ordering these weapons of mass destruction. And believe me, they don't like being responsible now. Okay. Mm-hmm. They they go to great lengths, you know, to deny this. Yeah. All right. Right. So they can deny it in court, as far as I'm concerned. All right. So, so um, what what happened then was the British uh, used the arc furnace, and when you when uh, the way I can describe it, the best way I can describe it is is when you weld two pieces of metal together, and and you have that arc of of electricity, that arc of light. Yeah. Okay. When you be right before you. Okay. That that is, and then now magnify that by several hundred times, that is that is an arc furnace starting and burning. But that's okay. dangerous in itself almost. Right. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's the best way to, to dispose of nuclear materials, fissile wow. materials, mm-hmm. and uh, weapons of mass destruction like chemical warfare. Yeah. Okay. I mean, essentially, I, there's, I, I guess there's n- no real efficient, safe way to destroy something like that apart from blowing it up, which is not an option when you don't want to detonate it. I mean, I don't know, like, in, in my mind, it's... A lot of damage is still caused by just trying to get rid of these things. Sorry, that that's just a, a thought in itself. <laughs> well, well I, I know several Kurds and Iranians that would disagree with you. Okay. You. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, because you know, you know, almost a million and a half of Cur- of the Kurds and Iranians are mm-hmm. are dead. Will never have a choice about these weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how lethal these weapons are. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I noticed almost immediately. Um, my my command started looking at me with with a sideways glance. You know when you know something and somebody doesn't like that you know it, they give right, you a sideways right. glance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, next thing you know, they said, "Okay, instead of like pack your bags, we're all going home now that we have found weapons of mass destruction." Right. Something very strange. Okay, started. Okay. Um. They said they told me pack your bags. 
you're going to the city of Samara, okay? Now, anybody who's read the Bible knows about the, you know, the road to Samara, the Samara, the, the golden city of Samara. Right. Uh, it's several thousand years old, okay? Mm-hmm. So that was my next assignment. And I thought, oh, okay, all right. In the meantime, the command, okay, of course, moved, you know, to Abu Ghraib prison. And that was, you know, building 1A, and that was that was my command. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to spend the rest of this war till I can retire, get my paperwork in and retire, um, you know, in Samara. Nice, quiet, the golden city of Samara, okay? Yeah. How much trouble could I get into in the city of Samara? Well, like I said, I'm not the brightest, brightest spark, okay? And, and surprise, I did find a, a lot of trouble. The fir- first stop was the village of uh, Adu Jayal, and, and 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 if you can look this up, this was the first town that was that was used to convict to convict Saddam Hussein of mass murder. Okay. And he was at, and he was actually executed. He was hanged in the village of of, of Adu Jayal. And okay, okay. what what happened? Yeah, what and that what happened was that was they took a shot at Saddam Hussein, and it's uh, he wiped out like half the city, okay, yeah, and or half the town, okay. So and that was my first stop, and then my second stop was Samara, the Golden City of Samara, where they have the famous and you can look this up on you know on your laptop there mm-hmm. is the famous spot the Spiral Mosque. Okay, the Spiral Mosque at Samara. Yeah. And that was um, built on the original site of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Oh, wow. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Right. It, it, you know, uh, I, and I woke up several mornings just looking at the Spiral Mosque. Yeah. Okay. That, and I thought, boy, another beautiful day in Mesopotamia. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how good can it get? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we had the Golden Mosque, the Askariah Mosque. And and uh, which gave the city its name, the Golden City of, of Samara. So, right next to that, okay. And then there was the Garden of Allah, okay, where the second Khalifa was was killed by Genghis Khan, all right, yeah. executed by Genghis Khan. Now, okay, and that's important when we say we talk about the Khalifa. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's important because of one of my recruits, one of my assets that I recruited. Right. Okay. Right. In the city of Samara. All right. And I want, I want you and your listeners to listen very carefully. Okay. To what I'm saying now, because we're going into something that is happening right now. Okay. People are dying horribly mm-hmm. in horrifying ways as a result of what I did next. Okay. Okay. And, and so what, what I, one of my first, my first recruits there was a very interesting banker, okay, mm-hmm. and who was well connected to the Mukab Iraq, which was the intelligence network of Iraq, and Hussein, Hussein designed the Mukab Iraq and built them, and that's what kept him in power, okay. And, and the Mukab Iraq is important because it is now keeping in, in Syria, there's a Mukhabarat that was organized by 
Saddam Hussein's Mukhabarat, and that's what keep, is keeping Assad in power, okay, is the Mukhabarat. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this banker, okay, he, uh, he, one day after I'd gone next door, I'd seen a group of people, and we were, we took up residence in an old burned-out police station in the middle of the graveyard, okay, in Samara. And, and this graveyard is about 5,000 years old. It was like in, being in, in, in history. Yeah. And, and so my first asset was a banker. And so I, uh, he came to me one night after I'd walked next door to, to meet a new group of people that had walked in, okay, that mm-hmm. had shown up that day. And the first thing he said, and he sat down and he looked at me. This is, this is actually about three in the morning. Okay. And he said, he said, you're lucky to have all your arms and legs still attached to your body. And I said, why? He wow. said, do you know who, who you spent the day with talking to? I said, I have no idea. And he said, that, first of all, have you ever heard of a group called Al Qaeda? And not. I said, well, <laughs> of course, everybody has heard of Al Qaeda. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he said, he said, well, guess who followed your intelligence group into Samara? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is Al Qaeda. They followed you from Mecca, from Mecca, Saudi Arabia. They followed you into Samara. I said, well, why'd they pick Samara? He said, Samara is the gold trading center. Okay. It has been for 2000 years. Yeah. And that's what I do is trade gold. Okay. And for my bank. And he said, and he handed, well, he actually handed me something at that point. He said, here are all the, the, the gold transfer records from my bank to, from Saudi Arabia to Rome to New York. And I think there was a place in France and then Switzerland and then back to Mecca. I said, well, what, what are these? And he said, these are all the in, entire finance and gold transfer uh, records of Al Qaeda in Iraq. This is how Al Qaeda is making its money. Hmm. All right. Wow. How, how it transfers money. So I said, oh, Okay. All right. Great. You know, at three in the morning, when I'm when I'm sitting there in stinking, dirty, nasty camouflage, yeah. um, you know, I'm, it, it's not like a trench coat. Okay, but it's the next best thing. Um, if you don't mind me asking, did you or could you or w- would you trust direct information like that, or how was it at a time? Well, what what you do in those cases is. Like I said, when you're sitting there at three in the morning yeah. and, and, and bone tired, you, you know you you take that information and you turn it over to people who can uh, uh, analyze its veracity. Mm-hmm. Okay, they do what's called vetting. That's a very British term, by the way, vetting. Okay, <laughs> and and so and so they they would vet anything like that, like bank records and gold transfers. They would vet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so it all came back clear. Everything checked out. Okay. Yes, this was Al Qaeda right next door to us. Okay. Wow. And and so it's important now because you know there they were right next door, and then on the end uh, end of the uh, cemetery, the graveyard was the Askariah Golden Mosque. Okay. Yeah. Now, if memory if memory is serving correctly, your listeners will remember that the Golden Mosque was blown up by Al-Qaeda. Okay, uh-huh. and that's what started the insurgency in Iraq. Wow. Was, you know, the big the big fight that yeah, almost yeah. finished the, uh, the U.S. off. Okay, well, 
uh, the Al-Qaeda members came from the building, the hospital, right next to the police station, walked through the graveyard, walked over to the mosque, blew up the mosque, and that started the insurgency in Iraq. Wow. And then the next week, they walked back, and they blew up the blue minaret, the famous turquoise blue minaret. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that, by that time, the insurgency, the civil war was going on. Okay. In yeah. Iraq. So, so anyway, um, so there I was and, and with, with, with my source. Yeah. And he said, okay, look, he said, you know, and this is about, oh, maybe three weeks later, he said, there's two people that I want you to, to recruit. Okay. Okay. And, and of course, you know, I, you know, he obviously knew who I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he said, you have to, you have to control these people because they're very dangerous. And if you don't control these people, they will come back and, and, and bite you. Okay. Yeah. And so, okay. All right. So who are they? Okay. So the, the first person, okay, actually, he came in, he was picked up by the Iraqi police, okay, yeah. and brought into me, okay. That's always an auspicious way to meet somebody for the first time. Okay. I think I think most of your yeah. instances of meeting people are a bit different than the usual. Yeah, unconventional, I think they call it. Yeah, that. yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah under auspicious conditions. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 um... Yeah, he, the first thing, and he was a young man. I can't believe how he's aged. But mm-hmm. this first person was, was somebody by the name of Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and he, he had a, he had this, everybody in Iraq had the Saddam Hussein mustache, right? Right. And he had a Saddam Hussein mustache. Excuse me a moment. It's okay. And, and, um, and, and he was, and he was with two other people and two other of his other, it turned out to be Mukhabarat operatives, okay, that he was with. Okay. But we, he was in my control. The, the Iraqi police brought him to me. And, and somehow my, tra- my translator said, do you, do you have somebody, do you have a soldier, a female soldier? that you're, you're looking for. I, I said, yes, we do. We do have a female soldier, and we don't know where she is in Iraq. And my, my translator said, I think this man knows where she is. And at that time, everybody might remember the name Jessica Lynch. Yes, of course, of course. Okay, yes, and so... And so my translator says, uh, he told me, he says, he said, yes, uh, he knows where she is. And, and I, I noticed that Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi mm-hmm. started getting a smirk on his face, like mm-hmm. he was really enjoying something, right? And he's kind of sneering about it. And I asked my translator, I said, what, what's his problem? And he said, and so he asked him, and he, and he said, he said that, yes, they're doing terrible things to her. And, and so it's one of the few times, and I can say this now, I couldn't say it for several years, but I can say this now that, that I, re- I flashed almost instant anger, you know, like mm-hmm. one of the kind of, you know, a- angers where you pull a gun and you put it to somebody's knee, knee, wow. kneecaps. Wow. Okay. 
uh-huh. and, and then start talking to them. Well, I didn't quite do that, but mm-hmm. I, I really flashed anger, and I think he saw it, but I'll, I'll bet God he did. And I told the translator, I said, translate word for word everything I tell you. And I told the translator, I said, I said that I'm going to find out what was done to her. Mm-hmm. And he is in my control right now, that God he is. Mm-hmm. And everything that is, that is done to her, I'm going to do to you. Wow. And I've never, I've never seen anybody's blood drain out of their face so quickly. Wow. Right? And, and Jeez. so uh, he immediately, I'll bet God he immediately told us where she was. Really? Who, who was holding her. Oh, right. Wow. And so we, we passed that information. I, and I think about three days later they found her. Okay. Right. Right. So that was, that was my first experience with Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so my source had said, recruit this guy. Okay. Sure. He might seem like a punk right now, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but he is a, a good guy to know. Okay. And, and especially if you can control him, which is very important in, in the intelligence business and running right. spies. Right. You've got to control your people. So if you don't, you'll lose them very quickly. So anyway, and, and they teach you that in the six-week course, by the way. Okay. If you're, uh, one listener is listening still. Okay. That's one of the things they teach you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I, I, I then brought him back in later on and had a nice talk with him. And it turns out that he, was, he, he had the entire Mukhabarat intelligence database the largest database in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and, and and it was at his disposal. This is al Baghdadi, right? And and the important thing about that is now that the world is seeing this, is that intelligence database has virtually everybody and most Americans in that database, who they are, what they do, where they live especially in Iraq and, and, and the surrounding countries. That database has it. Wow. That is how ISIS is able to identify exactly who to kill and who not to kill. That All right. is unbelievable. That, well, they have everything they need, right? Yeah. Um, can I just put in really quickly? Um, we're at 11 o'clock, so I'd say another... However long you think we can um, go, Frank. Well, I mean, I I want to I want to let Greg, um, you know, I want to let you finish finish because obviously this is very crucial uh, considering the 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 recent events. That, uh, okay, I'm sure let, everybody let's try to stick heard. to 15 minutes, but yeah. failing that, honestly, it, it doesn't matter to us personally. But <laughs> correct, <laughs> it may matter to listeners or the radio but, station. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I mean, this, like I said, this is, this is very, uh, very important. So you basically had to, uh, rec- recruit Al, uh, Baghdadi, uh, Baghdadi, sorry. My, uh, <laughs> you can tell my, yeah. Um, and this is the guy that currently is, it's the head of, of the, this organization, ISIS, and, and, uh, with a, a multi-million dollar bounty, uh, on his head, and this was a person that you were asked to recruit. Um, yes. 
Well, who better to recruit than someone <laughs> as inside as you can get, right? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, it feels like I fell down the rabbit hole in Samara. Okay. Jeez. Now, yeah. uh, of, of course, you know, he has access to this database, and that's what we needed, all right? Mm -hmm. we, need, we needed to know who did what, who was doing what, how they were doing it, okay? Right, right. And, and, and like I say, short of Israel uh, and, and the Mossad's database, there is probably no bigger database than the Mukhabarats. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I ended up recruiting him. And also there was another person who went on to become the first president of Kurdistan, and his name was Abdullah Talabani. And, and he went on and, you know, and I didn't get much out of him. He was a pretty slick customer, pretty, or as they say in the trades, pretty slim customer. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, that was a term used by T.E. Lawrence, by the way, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he never gave us a whole lot. And he went on to become a cigar smoking president of Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and he, and he was my third, my third recruit. But then Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, of course, was giving us plenty of good information. Right. And then, and then, of course, something happened. Okay. Um, could I, again, uh, um, yeah. really quickly, how trustworthy are recruits like that? Because obviously, I mean, presumably it's not as simple as just, hey, do you want to work for us? You know, uh, how... How much would you trust someone like that when they say, well, I will work for you? Well, I, you know, I, not to be, uh, let's see, in all due respect, you know, mm -hmm. up to your show, you know, I don't have enough time to tell you. Okay, okay, sure, goes. sure. And okay. it's a pretty, but, yeah. Right. Okay. It, it's, a, you know, I mean, it isn't just, oh, gosh, hey, yo, homeboy, what are you doing? Hey, of check course, this out. Yeah, okay. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. All right. You know, hey, let's be road dogs. Okay, it isn't quite like that. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, it. You know, I mean, if you're automatically assuming that you are being recruited. Okay. Mm -hmm. Always, you always assume that. Okay. Okay. And so, and so, you have to have several meetings, and you have to establish his bona fides, what are called bona fides. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, can he be trusted? Okay. What he tells us has to be checked out, and if it's not checked out then we know that we're being targeted and we need to take, you know, certain precautions with him. Okay. Yeah. So, and so, you know, and, and for the most part, everything was checking out. Mm -hmm. And what I was able to do was check out everything he said with my other source who, who knew who he was. And by the way, uh, at, at this point, I will, I will interject something very interesting that, that happened. Okay. Now, uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was Mukhabarat, and he was and they were having breakfast every morning with my source. And my source came in one day and said, hey, um, do you have some place you know, in, in, in California named Long Beach? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, we do. And he said, well, he said, they are talking to Al-Qaeda now about doing something to Long Beach. There's a harbor there. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I right. said, yes. 
Okay. And this is a story, by the way, that that was translated to the FBI about a year later. All right. And and he said, and he said, and he said, look, he said, Al Qaeda has like forty ships. From what I'm getting, they have forty ships, and they just found some nuclear detonators. Okay, in Iraq, they're American nuclear detonators. Right, right. Okay. And I, I said, yeah, yes, okay, I can kind of put, you know, I can say I'm average, and it takes me a little longer to put this stuff together than most people, okay? Mm-hmm. And he said, what they do is they are going to fill fill up a ship with, with radioactive material, like a.k.a. dirty bomb material, Mm-hmm. And they are going to sail it into Long Beach Harbor, and they're going to detonate it. Wow. Okay. And I said, Mukabarat said this, and he said, he said yes, they're having, and they're having breakfast with Al Qaeda, okay, Al Qaeda Iraq, and that mm-hmm. is the plan. Okay. Let me. Uh, sorry. So, I I don't mean to interrupt, but I know in Long Beach we have a a a, a military uh, a base, I guess you can call it. Uh, was that the target, or is that the reason why they focused on Long Beach, or why why Long Long Beach in in particular? Well, as the FBI told me, mm-hmm. okay, after I told them this story, and and they immediately got on it mm-hmm. and, and got on on what was happening, and. It wasn't that at all. They weren't after the military. Okay. Mm, okay. What they were what they were going to do was detonate this old old scrappy ship. Okay, that was full of radioactive like X ray machines and so forth. Oh wow. Um, you know, and and detonate it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something all around our coasts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, called theta detectors. Theta detectors will detect radiation. Yeah. Okay, the sudden release of radiation, mm-hmm. and they sound an alarm. Okay, mm-hmm. and w- what I was told what they were going to do was detonate this, this ship there in San Pedro. Okay, if you know where San Pedro is. Yeah, of course, the port here. And, yeah. Right, and and they were going to detonate it. And the thing is about Los Angeles, it sits in a big basin, and you can look. Everywhere you look, like you can almost look down at the ocean in this big basin. Mm-hmm. So if a mushroom cloud several hundred feet rises on the horizon mm-hmm. out of that big basin, mm-hmm. what what are what are twelve million people? Twelve million egotistical people. You know, not that everybody's egotistical, but egotistical. I think you're. I think you're. You pretty much got it right, right, Greg. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine, I can't even, like, I can't wrap my head around, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, we live in LA and we for sure could see a mushroom cloud of any kind of detonation happening off the, off the coast of, of some, you know, right there on the, on the San Pedro Harbor. I can't even imagine that picture in my head, put it that way. Uh, And sorry to interrupt, go on. uh, Go ahead. Well, that is exactly... What you just described is a scenario for 12 million people. Jesus. And what would you do? And I know what I would do if I looked down there, heard a big boom, Mm -hmm. and saw a mushroom cloud rising. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, from, you know, I know I'd get it, I'd get in my, 
I'd get in my my pickup or my Beamer. I'd probably pick the Beamer. Okay, that's All faster. Right. Yeah, and it, black black, of course. Okay, you know that's a requirement. If you're a former intelligence type, you're supposed to drive a black a black vehicle. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 they call it uh, what is it? The uh, requisite. Okay, it's requisite. All black. right. Okay, and and I I would try to get on the freeway before it jammed up like it every like it does in L.A. every day. Right. Okay. But you, you can imagine the panic of that many people trying to escape something like a mushroom cloud. Uh, and how many people would die in the process? Right. It's just, it, okay, that, it, it boggles my mind that... Well, I, evac how, evacuation at that point is not an option. Well, I mean, it's, as somebody that has lived here, you know, all my life, it's it, it, it's almost terrifying to think that we were we were literally that close. Correct. Like we were pretty close to that being an actual scenario, uh, in in, yes. in such a huge city. You know, one of the biggest cities in the world. Well, the FBI took it very seriously. Mm -hmm. I told them. Oh wow! And and uh, in this, what what year are we talking about? Okay, this this would have happened if it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. This would have happened in two, uh, probably the fall of 2004. Wow. Wow. Honestly, again, another one of those how do you feel questions. How, how did you feel, at least at the time, delivering information like that and living through it? Well... You know, this is a strange thing to say, but mm -hmm. when, I, when I was in this position, every day was, was brand new. Every day brought me the most amazing things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was subjected to the most horrifying things. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ran, my, my life was running the spectrum every single day. Okay. And keep in mind it, is that I was also the medic there mm -hmm. at my, at the police station. And at just about this time, we did something that was pretty ghastly, okay? The Americans did. Mm -hmm. We started interrogating, okay? And the interrogation was nothing short of torture. Yeah. Uh, you know, of, of the local population, okay? You know, it was horrifying. I still suffer PTSD dramatically from this, what, what we did, okay? And... And as a result, okay, it, it went from being elation every day of finding these new things and meeting meeting some of the most incredible people, the Iraqis, meeting incredible people, mm -hmm. and seeing these amazing things happen. And in the shadow of the uh, in the shadow of the of the Golden Mosque, of, of the Spiral Mosque, you know, the Garden of Allah, you know, all these things happening in the in the, in the cradle of civilization. And we started getting orders from somebody named Donald Rumsfeld that we were to start enhanced interrogation, basically torturing people, okay? Right. And yeah. torturing Iraqis. And and so we were all losing. We started to lose our grip on reality, okay, in this mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And my group was, was, you know, my group, you know, I, I, and there I was, you know, 
when you're the doctor, you're in, you're supposed to be protecting people. You're not supposed to be hurting people. Yeah. And so, and I'm, and so there I am in this, in this, where we were completely surrounded by Iraqis and every day, and we also had something bad happen called the wedding day massacre. You might remember that. Okay. You can look it up. The wedding day massacre. It happened in tomorrow and that immediately caused, you know, tremendous problems and, you know, like, like what they call blowback. Okay. A revenge retaliation for the wedding day massacre. Mm-hmm. And, and so what happened then was we started, we were under orders to start picking people up off the street. And, and unfortunately they were usually young children. Right. And I, when I say 10 to 14 to 15 and we were required to interrogate them and it just got more brutal and more brutal and more brutal and it never stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was, I was put in the position of having to revive, treat, medicate all the, all the people that we interrogated. And so, and, and I'm, I'm sorry if, if it chokes me up a little bit because it still does. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was absolutely brutal. And, and that's what actually caused our downfall in Iraq. We were actually shown the door in Iraq. Okay. We didn't prevail. We didn't win. And it was torture that caused the problems that then, and it caused the problems we have now with ISIS. And what happened with me, and I'll try to wrap this up if I can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there's a lot more to talk about, but you just don't have the time for your listeners is something like this is I, I, by accident, I was able to recruit somebody and you can look this up right now. And I would like everybody to look it up is Abu Sager. Okay. The name Abu, A-B-U. Right. S and then, and then S-E-G-E-R. Okay. And the irony is, is when you go to that site, you will see some very interesting things about me. You will see, first of all, my charges that I brought of torture. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see what happened to me on official government documents on that site. Because I recruited, Abu Sager was the banker of Saddam Hussein. Uh-huh. And, and he was in charge of weapons of mass purchase. Okay. And, and he told me, he told me about the purchase of weapons of mass destruction, what and who was in charge of American banks, mm-hmm. who paid the Iraqi banks, who the Iraqi banks paid for these weapons of mass destruction for Saddam Hussein. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, by accident, I recruited him. Like I say it wasn't intentional. Right. He just, he just fell fell into you know my lap basically mm-hmm. and and unfortunately some somebody was given orders in my group to make sure that he didn't talk okay right. and i i chose to escort mr abu sager to to crete the city of Tikrit, saddam hussein's hometown mm-hmm. i was trying to get his save his life actually because I, the night before, uh, we, we had him in our custody. We got him in our custody in Samara. Okay. Uh, one of my associates proceeded to, to uh, beat, 
beat Mr. Abu Sager in the head with a steel rod. Oh, wow. And, and he was in danger of being murdered. All right. So, so, uh, and by the way, this is hard to talk about. Okay. Right. So, no, totally understand. Totally and understand. so, Mr. Abu Sager, okay. And like I say, you should see my name now. If you looked his name up, you should see him. And then you should see um, uh, uh, what happened to me, and you should see what happened to him, because mm-hmm. he was murdered very shortly by the CIA, yeah. he, and I identified his body not too long after he gave me everything he knew about weapons of mass destruction purchase, okay? And there was, there was a bank he kept saying, he kept talking about, and it took me a while to figure out who the bank was. The bank was called Bachi, okay, as in Bank of Credit and Commerce International. Okay, you can type that name in, and you should see fireworks, okay? Bachi was the bank that was doing the business with with the Bank of Iraq to purchase weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. Wow. Jesus. It's it's crazy so, how all of this is just one big web. You know, you well, have all these people yeah. connected. Yeah. It's essentially well, politics, mm-hmm. just like politics is, but with you know a huge amount of collateral damage, like a, a crazy amount. That's what. It's people making decisions and more people than need to be dying. Well, but, well Frank, um, Genevieve, would, would it be possible if I could come back and speak to your listeners sometime? Yeah, no, I would definitely uh, mm. appreciate that because obviously, you know, the, the rabbit hole does not end there. Um, and I, I know I, we, rather... we had a few, a few more topics to topic to talk about, but I think if it's okay with you, I would love to set up a, a, a time for you to, to come back and, um, continue this conversation because honestly, I mean, it, in light of, of all these recent events, this is extremely, extremely relevant information, um, and I'd rather not rush things right yeah, now, I don't... honestly. And I know people have questions. And yeah, right, I, I, right. honestly, I'd rather give it the credit it deserves, um, even if it's next week. Yeah, week I, feel, after. I feel it would be a disservice to ask you to to kind of fly by through some of these points because obviously, you know, the the, the information that you have is is very important, and and it wouldn't be uh, fair to to ask you to, you know condense all of this in in just a few minutes time but i think that i mean if you're open to it we'll 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 talk more um this week and if you're available in in next week or or in the coming weeks i would love to have you back on because yeah i mean we i wanted to talk about some of the stuff uh that happened in in central america as well and and how that is relevant to some of the stuff that happened uh during and post 9 11 um so if that's okay uh greg maybe we can set up a, a time for for the very near future to yeah. have you back yeah that would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm booked, as you might imagine. No, I totally... All of a sudden, you know, for, for years nobody wanted to talk to me, and all of a sudden everybody wants to talk to me. But, no, I, but, I want um, to say I'm honestly 
honoured to be able to talk to you and hear you speak. Yeah. Uh, now, do we have any time for questions? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, sure. I'm sure we'll, there's questions out there. We'll just, it's we'll important for, for me to understand that there's questions because that means that there's other people out there that aren't sleeping, okay, through, you know, through, mm -hmm. through my, me speaking. So, so I, I, I would love to take some questions if we have any time at all left. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to try to scroll real quickly. I know that, that one of the last questions that came in was, uh, at what point does integration become torture? I think it means like at, at what point does interrogation? Yeah, I think um, it was become torture. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, I, all right. Okay. It, I guess it doesn't is, take yeah. a rock. It, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure that out. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay. Now the now according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, who I'm fighting with now on my case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're doing. The U.S. Attorney's Office is doing the best it can to repress my case from ever being heard in a, in a court, all right? Right, right. And that is one of the big questions that was asked, okay? At what point does interrogation become torture? And according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, okay, that, that great fountain of military intelligence and intelligence and interrogation knowledge and medical knowledge, yeah, okay, right. uh, uh, as John, you said, okay, Interrogation goes like this. As soon as you have an organ in the human body fail during interrogation, it becomes torture. Hmm. Do you think so that... So that means if... if the, Sorry, I, if I think there's a slight out, delay on the phone. Sorry, ca carry on. Uh, it's not unusual to have NSA interfere. Okay, in, in some of these conversations when I'm speaking. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, the, I was going to ask that earlier that, you know, you're probably uh, keen to uh, having your phone mm -hmm. tapped and all that. So, um, but they say that organ failure is the, is the line that you cross when you go from interrogation into torture, which is absolutely ridiculous. That means that if I'm asking questions and your heart gives up, that means I should stop. Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. Yes, that's, oh, no, that's absurd. That is, that's, that is very, very that's, I mean, I, we can't scary. go into the details right now, but that's, that's really unacceptable. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I don't want to uh, take too much more of, of your time, Greg, but one last question that I, I see here is uh, uh, Professor Madness asked earlier, what kind of doctor uh, were slash are you? Okay. I am now a retired medical doctor. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I assumed you were yeah, straight up a yeah. medical doctor. I, it's quite the paradox, right? Where uh, you know, here you are, you know, a doctor is trained to save lives, yet you're you were involved in in, in so many operations that you know it seems uh, that the mission was anything but you know. Well, and that. at at this point, I'd like to say that you saying that you're um, not the brightest. Whatever. I, 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 think, I, I think Greg I feel, is being extremely yes, modest. I feel you're being ridiculously is. modest because I think you're you're probably one of the brightest bulbs in 
in our society. So uh, I'd just like to say that. How do they that. say it in the UK? How do they say it in the UK? I'm not the brightest bloke. Yeah, yeah, they're saying no, they're the same things and the cap. sharpest tool and all the same um, figurative and, metaphors. Yeah, illustrations. Okay, yeah, and now, I, I certainly I, think you are. <laughs> I, I, I would like to leave, leave something with your audience here. Okay? Please do. And, yes. and, and, and I would like him to tune in again so I could continue. Mm-hmm. Is this, is that first of all, there is a court case that I'd like everybody to go to mm-hmm. and it could be. You know, so much I've said tonight can be confirmed in that court case because there's always the doubting Thomases out there that say, "Oh, this is all nonsense. What a what a, uh, what a bunch of hooey." You know, this guy. You know, he doesn't. You know, he's just making this stuff up. Okay, mm-hmm. go to the court case and confirm it. Okay. Okay. And and then, you know, secondly, okay, is this is that is that all. All of this stuff is directly related to what is happening now. Okay, people are dying right now as related to what what happened in Iraq. Okay, and more people are going to die, and and as a result, nobody has answered or called in with it with a, with an answer about why the CIA has police crime scene tape around it right now and mm-hmm. and is sealed. Okay, right, right, something's going on. And this all relates back to that. And, and the, and the last, and there's a couple of things more. And one is, I, when I come back, I will tell your listeners, uh, when I filed criminal charges to stop the torture that was going on, what happened to me, how I was strapped to a stretcher, mm-hmm. tortured, tortured, and flown out of the country, okay, of Iraq, without any orders, without any official acknowledgement, Technically, I'm still in Iraq, all right? Okay. Technically, I'm still in Iraq. Legally, I'm still in Iraq. Wow. Okay. Right. All right. And, and then the last thing I'm going to ask your listeners, and, and, and you can write this acronym down, okay? This is important for our next show. Okay. It's important for Central America and Dick Cheney. Okay. It's, it's the name Q-Bark, K-U-B-A-R-K. And that name should be the name of the operation that puts Dick Cheney in prison for the rest of his life. Wow. Jesus. And I presume that is something you would like to see in your lifetime. Oh, you can add add George W. Bush, (laughs) and you can add Donald Rumsfeld along with him. Okay. Wow. Yes. No, I mean, like, like I said, you know, I am... The three musketeers, you can call them, the three musketeers. <laughs> you know, the unholy troika. Right. Yeah, the, the, the unholy they trinity are. right there. The unholy trinity, indeed. Jeez, Greg, no, I, I... I am so... Honestly, I'm so honoured to have I can't even, to you. Yeah, so, I can't even begin to explain how um, grateful uh, I am, I, we are, for that matter, um, to have had this opportunity to talk to you. And... Uh, I do want to set something up for, for, uh, you know, in, in the next coming weeks so we can, we can, uh, continue this conversation and, and, and kind of uh, bring it all home, uh, as, as it were. Because this, I mean, honestly, uh, I'm going to, personally, I'm going to go back and listen to this show because there, you know, a lot of the stuff you said, it's, it's incredible to, to think that this is what's been going on right under our noses and people don't know about it. And, um, 
And like I said, you know, earlier in the show, we're literally sitting here, you know, looking up the information you're, you're, you're giving us and it's all there. So that is, that is a really, uh, cool thing that, you know, technology allows us to to do and and allows our 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 listeners to do as well so i want to thank you greg so much for for this time and and you've been so so great and so generous with with your time uh and uh why don't you tell people one more time where they can find you uh in social media okay you go to my site okay Mm -hmm. and then you can and then they can listen to your show Mm-hmm. And they can see my book when it comes out. Read my book, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm, I'm really excited to hear that, that that you're putting a book together with all this information. And we'll try to make sure to post all the links on our Twitter, so it's clear. Yeah. If you want to ask any questions, contribute in any way, um, we'll make that clear, and we'll hope to talk to. Greg really soon and honestly let's hope um, if anyone wants to ask any questions ask them you know in advance so we have them ready yeah yeah we'll definitely uh, ask our listeners to uh, have some questions ready uh, for next time because obviously as the conversation goes on <laughs> it gets, yeah, yeah. we just dig deeper and deeper but thank you so much Greg I don't want to keep you much longer I I, I already kept you uh, for uh, way past uh, uh, bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> bedtime but yeah, thank you so much okay. Greg I really I really appreciate it and we're going to be in touch and like I said hopefully uh when your schedule permits I would love to have you back and and continue this conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. No, and by the way, thank you. Our government has kept kept me waiting for 10 years. So, a few minutes is just great with me. So, awesome. anyway, every minute so counts the as they say, every yeah. minute counts. <laughs> thank you so much, Greg. Have a great night and we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you, Greg. Okay, Bye. well, as they say in the UK, cheerio. <laughs> cheerio. Cheerio, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Greg. Bye, Greg. Oh boy. Genevieve, how how crazy was this? Honestly, I think that was probably mm, the most interactive interview I have experienced in the show. It's really, it's really amazing. Some of the information that Greg has, I mean, it blows my mind. I'm, I am not kidding when I say this is one of those shows I will have to go Please back. Please tell and me you're to gonna it. end on a some sort of ridiculously chilled out reggae Bob Marley tune. No, I was gonna end with a uh, Mad World by Gary Jules. That's not no. No? 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 Something the opposite of a mad world. Something like happy world. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see what do we get. Well, honestly, you know, oh, I don't have on. none of the... I don't have a, none of the, the, the fun Bob Marley. I have more of the revolutionary Bob Marley. But we'll end with some Bob Marley. Because I, I think, I, I think people good. enjoy some of, uh, you know, some adult beverages with this show and some other, you know, uh, yes, aromatherapy. But, but a lot of individuals also... Would like to go to straight edge root of things. But even straight edge <laughs> people will enjoy Bob Marley. But I want to thank everybody who uh, stuck around and, and, and uh, checked out the show. If you miss any part of it, don't worry. We'll, we'll be posting it this week on our uh, on our website, WOTRradio.com. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Don't forget to check out the past shows. Uh, last week we have uh, we had James Wright, former 30, uh, yeah, second James degree Mason. Robert Wright. And previously to that, we had Chad Lindbergh and uh, talking about uh, ghost stalkers and all this. Honestly, uh, we've we, we've had quite a 
few fun shows. Yeah, and this one definitely uh, continues well, I think the this, uh, tradition. This goes beyond the fun. I don't well, know. this is this is the kind of show I enjoy because we really get into the nitty gritty. We we the you know we get very uh, you know we we really dig into some of those the the news and stories that we don't get very often. So uh, definitely uh, you know we want to encourage people to uh, check it out if they missed it. And uh, we're going to go out with a little bit of Bob Marley, right? Yeah. And uh, we want to wish everybody a good night. Take care. Be safe. And God bless. And remember anything about the questions crazy. for the next time. Yeah, for the next time. We'll definitely Tweet post us. when... Uh, Talk to other people. Honestly, the more questions, the more you're going to get out yeah, of them. Yeah, and Greg is definitely the man with the answers. So we want to thank Greg one more time. Take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. In the meantime, do enjoy this jam. And uh, have a good night. Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you. And take care, guys. Bye-bye. Independent FM. New York. London. Philadelphia. Japan. Chicago. Paris. San Francisco. Tijuana. Los Angeles, California. The Independent FM. Indie Radio. Live from Swing House Studios in Hollywood. This is the all-new Independent FM.